You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Welcome to A Step Further, a weekly podcast at Kingsway Christian Church, where we take what we learned on Sunday a step further. My name is Andy Lynch, and I'm your host this week. Well, on Sunday, we talked about affluence and the idea that we should be focused on two things, the present and eternity, and that if we look at the opportunities God brings us right now, that impact eternity, rather than being consumed with what's next, what's unknown, the future, then we'll be ready to do the good that he asks, and there'll be opportunities to be generous and serve and give, the good that Paul instructs the church of Ephesus to do. The 14th chapter of Mark has a number of powerful teachings by Jesus as well that some deal with money, but others deal with just how to live life. They include the greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor. There's the parable of the tenants where Jesus tells the story of the Old Testament prophets being slaughtered by his own people. And then Jesus ultimately predicts that the Jewish leaders would do the same to him and crucify him. There's also two stories in this powerful chapter that involve money. The first I just love. It's one that I'd heard several times growing up in a Christian household, going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, having Bible studies and Awana and all kinds of different activities. I'd heard this story before, but the first time it really hit home was in college when my pastor was speaking at our weekly crew meeting at Syracuse University. Every Thursday, a bunch of college students would get together and worship and have announcements and talk about activities, and we'd always hear from a different pastor or speaker in the area. And so I had invited mine in, and and I, I told him I'd love to hear about this story from Mark chapter 14, starting in verse 13, and he said he would love to share it. And so here's Here's what Jesus uh, said. Here's the story from Mark. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to catch Jesus in his words. They were trying to trap him. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right now to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? They were trying to trap Jesus and say, are you more loyal to Caesar? Are you more loyal to the law that God has passed down? Which one will you choose, this one or that one? But, oh, Jesus was such a master in in people. He knew how to answer questions. He knew what they were going for, and yet he knew the ultimate truth, the right answer. And so it says, Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He asked, bring me a denarius and let me take a look at it. So they brought him the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? I can imagine their reaction. They're looking at each other thinking, huh, Well, it's Caesar's, they replied. Verse 17 says, Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. And the next sentence says, They were amazed at him. Jesus has this amazing power to amaze us. When we just sit and listen to his teaching, when we see how he answers the questions, when he see how people try to trap him and he has the next step, he's thinking at a different level. It's that idea of he's playing chess while the rest of us are playing checkers. But that's not the end 
of that sermon. As my pastor closed the night, he asked us a question, and I would like to ask you that very same question. Whose image are you made in? Since Caesar was on the coin, the coin was made in Caesar's image, so Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Genesis 1.27 says, we're made in the image of God. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So doesn't it make sense that we wouldn't just give God a portion of our lives since we are made in the image of God, but we would give him everything. Jesus rose to different levels. He raised the stakes for those that were willing to follow him. Then the final story, Mark 14, shows an example of someone doing just that, giving everything, sacrificing it all. It's so humbling as I read it. I I didn't understand it even as a kid when I got a $2 allowance every week. I just couldn't do what this lady would do. And I love how Jesus was just sitting back, watching it play out. We'll start in verse 41 of chapter 14. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. In fact, they were at the smallest denomination of coins back then. So literally throwing in all she had, which wasn't very much at all. Verse 43 says, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. I love this story of the woman. Oftentimes, I've wondered if I would ever give literally everything that I have. I have lots of questions on this short story. It's only a couple of sentences. I wonder if Jesus approached the lady. I wonder if he gave her a hug or commended her publicly for her faith. I wonder what her name was. It's not mentioned. We don't know any of those things. We know she was a widow. She was, by all accounts, lowest on the totem pole of society, a woman whose husband had died. She's a burden to others. She has nothing to contribute. She's always needing help, a simple widow. But Jesus watches and he knows her. He knew all she had were those two coins, just like he knew the bankroll of the rich folks who gave plenty ahead of her. He knew it never seems to condemn the rich for not giving all. But as I read this passage in my human judgment, I've always felt there's a comparison there. I always wonder if Jesus smiles as each rich man puts his great offering in. Jesus obviously notices the amount, but Is he looking at the bravado as well? Does he look to see if each person looks around with a proud smile to see if they notice how much I just put in the treasury? Surely the widow wouldn't look around unless it's out of shame. I only put these two coins in. She wouldn't have been proud of her meager offering, would she? She steps up tentatively, perhaps, and then a couple coins jingle and rattle in. Does she scurry off quickly, hoping to get back to the shadows? Uh, But Jesus, he knows her. He knows her story. He knows her heart. He knows all that because this nameless widow is not nameless to Jesus. After all, she was made in the image of God, just like we learned a few short verses previous. And so she gives to God her everything, not knowing that he was standing just across the room, but knowing that the God of the universe, God the Father, is always watching 
always taking care of her, always protecting her. And what a joy that brings to Jesus, the Son of God. You have a protector as well. He is watching over you. Will you trust him with your everything? You're made in his image. And so all we can do is offer ourselves to our creator.